Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Escape the Cage podcast. My name is Chuck Ellis. I am your host, and I am proud to bring you today a guy who's going to help you solve a problem that a lot of people struggle with when they're talking about creating content. And I'm speaking with Paolo Fernand. Uh, I knew I was going to butcher your last name. I apologize. <laughs> At least one. Fernand. All right. And um, Paolo is an on camera broadcast coach. So I think you're really going to get a lot out of this. You're going to want to either take lots of notes or go back and listen to this when you have a chance to take those notes, because this is going to really help you. Paolo, thank you so much for joining me today. Well, Chuck, it's, it's an honor to have been invited. And um, for, for uh, your audience, I follow Chuck on TikTok and I've always been intrigued, not just by the content that he shares with his audience, but by his enthusiasm for the format. Um, you know, most people, and it's really unfortunate, most people think that men our age uh, sort of passed it for video. And, and, and Chuck is certainly clear evidence that that is not the case. Um, so I, I'm, I'm always very happy to see Chuck and his contributions on TikTok, very illuminating information about marketing in general. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. And um, I'm sure there are people that are listening to this or seeing this and they're saying that is a very, very interesting accent. So tell people a little bit about your, your background as well. Right. Well, I live in Trinidad. It's an island, part of the Twin Islands, state Trinidad and Tobago. And that is in the Caribbean. We're off the, the, the southernmost, well, sorry, the northernmost tip of um, South America. So all, all of the work that I do, um, I reach out to international audiences through the medium of video from the island of Trinidad in the Caribbean. One of the things that really struck me when I saw your content for the first time on TikTok is former broadcast journalist. And mm. what I think that really does is that gives you some authority in the space. You know, you're a guy who used to do this in a different medium for a living. Yeah. So talk a little bit about your background as a, as a journalist and, and how you made this evolution to where you are now. Okay, well, I worked in broadcast journalism for more than two decades. I started as a field reporter. Eventually, I graduated to the anchor's chair, and then I went on to do live talk shows, morning talk shows. So I do have a fair bit of experience, um, on-air experience. And the, the thing about broadcast journalism is that all of the principles of speaking on camera uh, that apply in broadcast journalism these are all the requirements that you want to meet when you're creating video content for audiences today. You want to tell the stories that people are interested in hearing and you want to tell them in a way that's relatable to the broadest possible audiences. So that is really the foundation of what I do. And I, I just basically transferred that from my career in broadcast journalism to video marketing because in everything that you do in life, it's the fundamentals that survive. Uh, these fundamentals will survive the trends, the changes in technology. Ultimately, video and what's effective about video is its ability to connect with people. And, and that's why I got into video marketing after I uh, sort of moved on from broadcast journalism. What I think is so interesting about the time that we currently find ourselves is that you don't have to have a broadcasting degree no, to be no. effective on video anymore because the technology has evolved to the point to where you basically just point your camera 
on your phone at yourself. And it's more about the, the way you communicate rather than the, the technology that you use to communicate, isn't it? That is, that is very true. And that's something that I, I try to drive home with my audiences all the time. And I'll just give you a very short story. When I was doing morning um, television, I'd often interview people who would come on the show to promote products or activities or events that they were having. And more often than not, after they'd held these events, they would call me a week later and they'd say, Paolo, we're so grateful that you invited me on the show because the event was a smashing success or the book sold like hotcakes or whatever it was that they were there to promote, it did very well. The reason it did very well is because they were prepared to speak on camera. They knew what they went there for. They went there with a sense of purpose and they used the medium to their advantage. But that was back in the day when people had to struggle to get a, a place on television. Now everyone has the same reach in your hand. You don't need to try to book a spot on a television station. You have that access right in your hand. Uh, it's like Andy Warhol said, we're all going to have our 15 minutes of fame. And I don't think he quite intended it to be like this, but mm -hmm. this is where we certainly are right now. So yeah. if everybody has the opportunity, what are the mistakes that you see them currently making to not make their video as effective as it could be? Well, that's, there, there are many mistakes. One of the, the biggest mistakes that people are making is that they're not putting themselves on camera. And, and that is something that presents a great discomfort for many people. The idea of, of uh, putting themselves in front of the camera and exposing their vulnerability. So what they do is they often opt for faceless videos. They will primarily show the products and nothing is wrong with that. But because of the increasing competition online, and it's, it's, it's far more broad than that. Uh, because there's increasing competition, there's more content, there's a deluge of content. There now, there's now AI that uh, writes scripts for you, which means that is going to result in a further saturation, content saturation online. And what that means is that for you to distinguish yourself from other content creators, you really need to put your face on camera and to share yourself and your story with audiences. That is what is going to set you apart because when people go online, they want to make connections with people and you cannot connect with someone you can't see whose story you can't see them share and that is the most powerful aspect of video today that you have that power of connection by showing your face and sharing your story and that is something that people are not really taking full advantage of so they're opting for videos where they they may appear on camera but they don't speak they may dance they may show a product they may leave through a book and show text on screen but they don't speak People really need to hear you speak. They need to hear you say and share what you're there for. And that is what builds the connections because the connections is what builds the trust. And that's ultimately what you want if you're trying to build a business through video. You can say the same thing as somebody else or basically express the same ideas mm -hmm. but because you come from a different background. Maybe you have an accent or you don't have an accent. It is that personal touch that getting on camera allows you, I feel like when you and I have even interacted in just comments on our different videos, I felt a connection to you because I watched your videos. I, you know, I can see that obviously you are comfortable on camera, but you, you do a good job of showing your personality. So is it, they're worried they don't have anything to say 
I'm going to give you kind of a multiple choice question here. They don't pre- feel prepared to go on camera or they don't like the way they look on camera or is it kind of a com- combination of all of them? It's all of the above. Um, why, why choose when you can have them all? <laughs> you know, Chuck, there's, there's, there's something you talked about there and it's a very important point. And I've, I've actually said this in videos that I've done on TikTok and, and other platforms. And that is... When we create video content, when we go and share messages online, we're not splitting any atoms. We're not saying anything that's new. People have heard it all before. What you're doing is you're taking the same information, putting your own spin on it, and tacking onto that your own stories and your experiences that buttress that information, that buttress that knowledge. That is what makes the difference. And that is why showing your face on camera makes such a massive difference when you're trying to compete for the attention and that is the scarce attention of today's audiences. Now, people do have fears of all of the above, everything that you've mentioned. Many people are concerned about their appearance and that is very common and, you sh- and people who have those fears should not feel abnormal in any way because I have my own insecurities about my appearance. I mean, I'm not, you know, Cary Grant or one of those popular young stars people talk about nowadays, but uh, there, there, there is also the question of people are not sure what they would say when they go on camera. So there's that lack of confidence in or assertiveness. How will I? How will that look when I stand in front of a lens? But I'm not sure about what I would say. Would people think me a fraud or a, a charlatan because I'm not confident in the way I'm expressing myself? So yes, these are legitimate fears, but they can all be fixed and quite easily. I think one of the ways that being prepared on camera has been fixed is through all of these these teleprompter apps. So the same tools that you were able to use as a broadcast journalist, because for people that don't know, obviously there are teleprompters giving you scripts as you are an anchor at a desk. Yes. All of that stuff is scripted. But now we have that same ability even with our phones and the apps that, that, um, that exist now. So it really kind of does take away that excuse of I'm not prepared or I can't be prepared, does it? A teleprompter can be a double-edged sword, particularly in the hands of a novice. Now, what I would recommend for someone who is just getting into using video to promote their businesses, because I assume that's your principal audience, I I would recommend that you stay clear of prompters in the beginning, because prompters they can help you to read the information, but you don't want to read the information. You want to speak it. You want to say it because ultimately you want to look natural on camera because looking natural on camera makes you seem authoritative. And that is the end goal. So what I suggest for people who believe that they are not knowledgeable enough or they are not sure of what they would say, a simple place to start by to to, to remedy that problem is by looking at frequently asked questions in your niche. So start to build your knowledge in your niche. Start to sharpen your grasp of the information in your niche. And you can use websites like Quora. I spend a lot of time on Quora where I I comb the different questions to see, well, what are people interested in, in learning about in my niche? And when I look at the answers, I put together a, a sort of a a composite of the kind of information people are looking for. And I add that to my own knowledge. And I just process that every day and and, and build on that. So people who are new to video or a little bit skittish about getting on camera because they're not sure that they will know what to say, they can start with frequently asked questions. Build up your knowledge 
and that way you will be more prepared. Don't start with the, 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 uh, the teleprompter. Start with building that knowledge and, and becoming more comfortable with that inside knowledge about your industry and what you do. Because the more knowledge you have and the more comfortable you feel sharing that knowledge with others, the, the more authoritatively that it's going to come off rather than trying to type things out on video that or on prompters rather that you may have gotten from some other source and you just borrowed the information and you're kind of spitting it out there, if you will. Is that correct? Exactly. Uh, you see, you, you already have, if you've been in this business for, for a little while, even if you're just now getting started, you're going to need to know what you're doing. So this is actually a good way to not just build your confidence on camera, but build your competence in your own business. Because the more you research uh, what you need to know to meet people's needs online, to answer basic questions they have, is the more you will know about running your own business. So it, it, it actually works perfectly to help build your confidence and build your competence in your business. Now, when you're just getting started, you don't have to be omniscient. You don't have to know everything about the business that you're in, but you need to have the foundation, the basics to get started with it. And as you go along, because building confidence on camera is also not an overnight process, you will grow. And I've seen people grow and I've followed people's online careers and seen them blossom over a year, two years, three years, and people will grow with you and they will, they will begin to appreciate the kind of effort that you're putting into developing yourself as an on-camera uh, source of information. So don't put pressure on yourself to become this confident person overnight. No one ever starts like that. But start with those frequently asked questions. Build up your knowledge about the industry because knowledge is where confidence is, is really, it, that's where it really starts. You repel the trends and the gimmicks and the fads that are so much a part, especially of short form vertical video right now. Mm -hmm. Talk about some of the things that you, that you disagree with, uh, that you, for lack of a better word, you're going to throw some stones at some things you just don't think are great ideas. Well, I've actually done videos on this on TikTok and I'm happy to, to repeat them. And I know for some people, they will interpret my deriding some of the trends as well i'm an, i'm sort of old and starchy and past 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 my prime but the thing is you can get carried away with trends and not serve your audience uh, and that is a huge that is another mistake that many content creators make they believe that if they try to keep up with these trends for example uh, you know the most recent one i noticed is the, the one with you, you put yourself in the boat and you sail away in it now nothing is really wrong with doing a trend here and there but chasing after those trends can sort of dilute your message and distract you from what you're actually supposed to do, be doing. And if you're trying to build your business by establishing your credibility and your authority, you want to focus primarily on giving people information that they can use. And that's it. That's really it. Now, if you can incorporate a trend or two here and there, that's fine. But that should not be the, the overarching uh, theme of the kind of, of your content creation. Focus primarily on the content that you're sharing with people, the information, making sure that it's useful, it's structured, it's not over. And I'm going to talk a bit about that when we get into script writing. But make sure that it's structured in a way that people will absorb what you're seeing and remember enough of it to take action on it. 
And that's what counts. You want people to be able to take action on the information that you share with them. And when people clutter their content with trends like the dancing and the point, the worst one for me is the pointing to the text on screen because they assume that everyone is going to pause the video so that they can jot down the notes. Most people will just scroll past because they, because the, the notes don't stay on screen for long enough. So that is very trendy, but it's not particularly effective for people who want to use content to connect with audiences, establish their credibility, and eventually convert audiences. Another thing I think that people underestimate the importance of is captions. I noticed that you are very good without copying a bunch of influencers with your caption types. Talk a little bit about your philosophy on that. Well, the caption has to function like a headline. The, the, the language has to be very simple and very clear. So at, a, at an immediate glance, someone can tell off the bat what this video is about and how it serves their interests. And that is how I try to craft my captions. But I also craft my captions according to SEO because uh, I'm now using SEO on TikTok. So I use the captions, I use SEO keywords in the captions, in the, in the video descriptions and everywhere that I can. So uh, at every touch point, people can get an immediate sense of what the video is about. And I also try to write the captions in a way that people will see that it's written for them and not about me. The videos that I do are not really about me. Of course, I will incorporate stories in each video to show people, well, look, I have experience in what I'm talking about, but ultimately the video is about you. It's, 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 I'm, I'm creating this content to show you, well, this is how my experience can be applied to your circumstances. And the captions are really reflective of that. Simple language, but language that immediately tells the audience, this is what the video is about. This is what you want to watch. How do you find or decide what terms are SEO friendly? I think that's something that I don't believe we've ever covered on, on my podcast before. So my audience, I'm sure, would, be, would benefit from that. Well, I, because I create uh, content for different platforms, uh, another platform that I create long-form and short-form content for is, is YouTube. So what I do is I, I have keyword research tools, but I also use Google. Because when you go into Google and you, you basically you type in the first few words of a possible question that someone might ask. So, for example, in the field of real estate, uh, how, to, how, how to flip houses in a down economy. So you type that question into Google and Google will give you, it will, it will, it will spit back the answer that people are actually typing in. It may not be the way that you've said it but it will be the way that people are typing it in. So I will take that and then I will further process it by using tools like vidIQ, which are, are keyword research tools, and further refine the keywords and then apply that to the video titles, uh, the first few lines in each script that I write, and other parts of the, the, the process so that not only would the algorithm be able to tell more readily what the video content is about and put it in front of the right people, but that when people see it and they see the headline, this will immediately jive with them. Well, yeah, this is, this is what I was searching for. So this is probably something that can help me out. On TikTok, I also use that technique of using words that I find on Google and other keyword research tools, but I also type those words 
in the search bar in Google, in, in TikTok itself. And if you start doing that, it will start offering you suggestions as to what people are asking for. So I will have a topic that I'm interested in writing, but I can't write what I want to write about. I have to write about what people want to know about. So I try to see where, where can I align what I know about with what people want to know about. So I will write the questions in and it will give me a prompt and I will try to craft my uh, scripts and my captions along the lines of what TikTok is suggest suggesting. And that's that's the basic approach. It's, it's obviously a bit more involved than that, but for the, the beginner, uh, that is that is the approach to not only you well, using SEO to create content uh, for your different platforms, but also creating content that's easier for your best audience to find. Just going through the detail of that process really does take preparation if you want a video to perform well, doesn't it? It does. I've been teaching on camera confidence and video marketing for quite a while, for several years now, uh, because I started doing it when I, after I left the, uh, the media, I created my own production company to create television shows and, and to promote those shows, I used video marketing. One of the, the statements that makes me very uncomfortable is people who go online and tell uh, people who are skittish about getting on camera, look, if you want to do video, the best thing to do is to just start. Now, yes, you have to get started, but that's not enough. You have to get started the right way, otherwise you'll go down a rabbit hole with the wrong techniques, speaking to the wrong people or speaking to the right people, giving them the wrong information, and you will squander precious time and quite potentially money because lost time is lost money. So it's, it's important to get started, it's important to get off the fence, but it's very important to do this with a strategy. And I know people, that is a word that makes a lot of people uh, very uncomfortable. That is why the, the kind of videos that go viral uh, are videos that say how you can make a, you can make a six figure salary online in 10 days. Those videos go viral because people would prefer the short path, but more often than not, that information is generally not very reliable and even if it were, it's not sustainable. Uh, video marketing and achieving success for your business using video content is, is going to take a little time, but when it really does hit, when you hit your stride, it can really transform the kind of traction that you get for your business online. So yes, it, you have to be intentional to get the best results using video. It's short-term versus long-term thinking which is, a, which is a, a much higher level concept, but that's what it is. And when people use these gimmicks in these fads or they have these low hanging fruit headlines about how to make six figures with X amount of time and you know in X amount of months or what have you, they're not thinking long-term because mm -hmm. they're thinking about the moment and what's gonna work right now. Whereas I know you've probably experienced this and I know I have. It's the long-term thinking of video content is where the real return on investment is because if done correctly, it also mm -hmm. becomes evergreen if you think about yeah. it in those terms. That's very important. I, I, you know, I was talking with my business partner this morning and this, this, this is a topic that comes up all of the time. There are people who say, well, you know, I did a video and it, it within a very short space of time, it attracted hundreds of thousands of views. And, and of, of course, that met the requirements of the description viral. But the problem was that didn't actually translate into any concrete results for the business. And that's because the topic that you chose 
isn't in line with the product you sell, the product or service you sell. It just met a need in that moment in time. And you, you hear that story quite often. Celebrities, for example, uh, who are using Instagram, they have amassed a, a, an incredible following, 1.2, 3 million followers. But when they're ready to launch their products, it's crickets. And the reason is that they've spent such a long time courting the wrong people. People were not actually interested in purchasing any of their products. So that is why you need to be intentional. You need to use strategy. You need to use video strategy to ensure that the time and effort that you invest in creating content is aligned with the correct audience. And I've seen so many people who squander nearly years speaking to the wrong audience, but they're so caught up with the vanity metrics that they don't really pay attention to the fact that this is not translating into conversions. So it is a long game and virality, it really does trip people up sometimes and gives them the impression, well, look, I must be able to do something with these thousands of views. And of course, we're all ego-driven creatures, no matter how modest we think we are. So we get that, that fillip of emotion when we see people loving and enjoying our content, but we're really here to get the conversions. How can you appear confident on camera? What are some, some things that somebody can do, especially like right before they're getting ready to film a video? One of the things that I do and I've always done, uh, and this is a story that most people, when I tell them, they don't believe me, but for several years, when I, when I started my career in broadcast journalism, if I could avoid doing live uh, links or live interviews, I would avoid it because I was never really confident to go on camera with the idea of all of these people uh, looking at me and judging me. But the way I was able to get over that is by concentrating on the story I'm telling, the information I'm sharing. So I'm working through that information in my head. So every time before I was meant to go on live television, I would be running through my, my script as it were. What is it that people would want to know most from this short moment in time? What do I think they'd be most interested to hear? What is the most exciting information that I think they really get a kick out of? And I start to work myself up about it. I start to get excited about it. And then I realize I'm not thinking about how I will look or how I will sound. I'm only thinking about the message and how I'm going to say it. So when you do that, you're concentrating on the message and not your appearance or how you will sound because you're only thinking. And it's a way of programming your brain because your brain, the human brain, likes order. And if you give your brain one thing to latch onto, it will latch onto that and run with it. So I give my brain the content, the information, and the idea that the audience is really going to like this, and I focus on that. So before you go on camera, what do you want them to feel about? And just think about that only. Start doing that. If you only focus on how nervous you'll be and how people will dislike you, your brain is going to latch onto that. You know, what you feed your brain is what your brain will latch onto, and that is going to really help you to be more comfortable in front of the camera. When you're more comfortable, then the next step is you'll be more confident. You talk more slowly and deliberately and emphasize words rather than just making how many words can I cram into a five second clip? Talk about the importance of that whenever you're communicating effectively. That is so important for so many different reasons. First of all, when you speak, 
like a submachine gun, you have a tendency to trip over your words. But it's a natural response to being uncomfortable speaking on camera. So people think, well, if I can get this out of my mouth fast enough, I can get the experience over with and I will get it recorded and, and that will be the end of that. But that can pose more problems than it solves. Like I said, it can trip you up. And in my, because I have a course, an on-camera confidence course, and what I teach people is when you start to make mistakes, mistakes create frustration and then frustration creates more mistakes. When you slow down, and when you're more deliberate about what you want to say, you give your brain a sort of a calm sense about presenting on camera. And it's easier to recall the information that you want to share when you're not frenetic in your mind about getting this out of my mouth. It shouldn't be perceived as an experience you want to get over with, but something you want to get through and share with audiences. And there's no reason to feel that you have to speak like an auctioneer, particularly because that's what the trend seems like. Everyone, so many people online are speaking like that. And for me, it's a turnoff because I find it harder to keep up with people like that. So you're also doing yourself a disservice if you're speaking in fast forward because audiences will not catch what you're saying. And if they don't catch what you're saying, then they don't get the full value out of your video presentation. And they'll remember that the next time around. There's a difference between being yourself on camera and being the content on camera. Uh, what, what you want ultimately is to serve the audience. Now, remember, there are many different types of content online. If you're, if you're, a, YouTube, if you're a YouTuber, strictly speaking, and that is, your, that is your business model, then being entertaining, quirky, funny, zany, that is what gets you eyes on your content, that's fine. But if you're using video content to build your business, people are busy, they don't have time for that. They are there. Look, when I need to replace a bulb in my car, I'm not looking for somebody who is going to give me a song and dance at the beginning of the video. I need to change that bulb now, tell me what it is. And if you give, that, if you give me that information and the kind of time frame that I'm looking to get that information in, I'm going to look at more of your content because I realize that you're serious about giving me what I need. Okay, so let's get down to what makes a good script or how to create a good script for a video. I want to go back to something you said a minute ago. Uh, people are trying to cram so much information uh, into one video. That's one of the biggest problems with video content today. People are not creating a structure to their videos uh, because it's much easier to just turn the camera on and start talking because they think that, well, if I have to put another step into that, I'm just not going to do it. And that other step being writing a script. But what happens is when you do it that way, you end up squeezing too much information, which also forces you to speed up the way you speak on camera. That's a side effect of trying to cram too much information into one video. And this, the problem with that is that people are not going to remember all of that. So if you give people all of this information, they'll remember nothing. So the, what I recommend for people who are creating either short form videos or long form videos, the same principle applies. No more than three main points, five max, but no more than three main points really. It might even come down to less if you're doing shorter videos, less than 60 seconds. But you should have a framework of a few main points. So you have, obviously, your hook. 
you have the problem, you establish what the problem is, so you get the viewer interested and the viewer is saying, oh, yeah, that makes sense to me. That sounds like my experience. And then you go into three points that identify the solutions. A, you can try this. B, how about this? Or C, and this is another technique, and you try all of them together. And then you have your conclusion. That keeps you coloring it within the lines and it allows people to absorb the information and most likely remember it. Because ultimately, at the end of your video, you want people to have takeaways. You want them to remember what you've said, but also you want them to do something. You either want them to sign up for your email or go check out your course or your website. You're using video as a means to drive traffic and script writing enables you to do that. Now, when I do my scripts for TikTok, I do a script, what I call a script outline. So, and I don't use a teleprompter for my scripts on my, my videos on TikTok. So I will write what is a script outline. I will time it before I will read it through to make sure that it com comes in under 60 seconds because I, I'm lazy and I don't want to edit it. So I will just do a run through of that. I do not, I do not hold myself to uh, delivering those lines word for word. I'm not in the theater. So I just use that outline to help organize my thoughts so that when I turn the camera on, I'm coloring within the lines and I make sure I remember all the main points. So for the short videos, I have a script outline and I use that and I will just do a few rehearsals before I actually record. If I do a recording, I'm not particularly happy with it. It's not smooth. I scrap it and I do it over. This, this is another misconception people have that you have to get it right. You don't. It's your video. If it's not as good as you'd like it to be, you just scrap it and do it over. Now, what I also tell people in my, my book, I have a book called Winning the Age of Video. If you've tried to do the video three times and you're getting frustrated and you, you find as though it's not, it's not coming out the way you'd like it to, stop. In fact, you might even want to stop for that day and try again tomorrow because it's not going to get better. Don't frustrate yourself uh, because it's not going to get better. Or you can take a break, take half hour, calm your mind, take a deep breath and try again. And I use the same technique for longer form videos, except with longer form videos, I record it in parts. And that I use B-roll to stitch it together. So that's, that's the basics. Uh, and I would recommend to anyone who is interested in doing videos seriously for promoting their business to use the approach of writing scripts. It will save you time, but also it keeps your videos grounded in a particular audience, the people who you want to attract. Another thing that people look at is they look at these polished influencers who, by the way, have huge budgets to create video. They also have teams that create these videos and they think they have to compete with those people. So they're concerned about their background or their fancy lighting or their graphics. If it's good content, none of that stuff matters, does it, Paula? No, not at all. I, there is a, there is a, on YouTube, there is a trend. It's almost, well, I use a trend as a, a polite term. It's, it's almost like a scourge where people use the same background. The background is dark and, and mysterious and then it's multicolored. And, and that's, that's fine, but that takes a lot of effort to set up. And that is not necessarily uh, in line with your business. Your business, you are sharing information 
to demonstrate your expertise. You don't really have to get into uh, creating all of these elaborate backgrounds. Now, by the same token, I'm not suggesting that you do your video with a chain link fence as the backdrop. You want to put some effort into it, at least tidy up the books in the background, have a decent bookshelf, or you'll have a background that reflects your industry or your niche, something like that. But you do not have to go into all of that detail with uh, extensive lighting gimmicks because that's not what you're there for. You are a business owner first and a content creator second. Your content is supposed to complement your business. You should invest most of your energy in the messaging, not the appearance. That's not to say that you want to look um, disheveled on air or on camera. It's not to say that you uh, don't want to present the best image that you can. But I would focus first on the messaging and the messaging that reflects the, the, the products and services that my business has to offer and my expertise and my competence. And it's re relatability too. A lot of yeah. times if somebody sees something that's so overly produced, they can't relate to that person because they come off as an influencer or a video star. And so they almost tune out your message because they can't relate to you as a person. There, there, there is a risk of that. Although, you know, the funny thing is that with the, even with the, 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 the cell phone cameras nowadays, the kind of quality that these, these, these phones produce is almost on par with professional DSLR cameras. So there's nothing wrong, again, with having a video that has a look of polish, but it doesn't have, it, it, it certainly, you don't need to have it look overly slick. Because as you've mentioned, people are not looking for a video production expert. And then they're not looking for someone with a, a background in, in, in Hollywood production. They're looking for somebody to share information uh, with them. And, and, and there is the, the likelihood that uh, people might see your video that has, well, sort of exaggerated production values. And they might think, well, this might be out of my range. This, this person might not be aligned with my interests. Most importantly, your lighting and your audio is good. And that is, that is more than enough for most audiences because of what they want more than anything else from you is solid information that they can take away and apply to their lives. Where can people find you? And talk a little bit, a little bit uh, specifically about your, uh, your on-camera course. My, my on-camera confidence course is, is called just that, but on-camera confidence is really an umbrella term for a lot of what we've been discussing because ultimately what I want people to do is to learn how to speak on camera and use video in a way that is really beneficial to their business. And that's the, that's the reason why you want to get on camera in the first place. It teaches many of the principles that I've been discussing with you here. It, it teaches you how to write scripts in a way that um, is not overblown, that the scripts are not bloated and contain a lot of extraneous information that audiences can't retain. And uh, when you create scripts that are structured and, and color within the lines, it's easier for you to remember that information when you're speaking on camera. But I also share the techniques that I learned in my long career on television and creating video content as well. My camera confidence course teaches not just how to get on camera and how to get over your fear of being on camera, but how to use video effectively to promote your business, attract more paying customers and clients, because that's why we're doing it. But video is something that you really can't avoid. And you shouldn't want to think about it as something that you, 
you want to avoid. It's, it's, it's a huge part of the business culture today, and it's an, an invaluable tool to grow in your business and your opportunities. I also have a video script writing toolkit because, and I'm, I'm glad that you, you brought it up, because what holds many people back is this idea of not understanding where to begin. And, and that's one of the most difficult things, and that's what keeps people on the bleachers. Where, where do I get started? What's, what's the, I don't know the first thing about writing scripts. I, you know, I know a lot about running my business, but I don't know about writing scripts. So I created a script writing toolkit to simplify the process and to help people uh, at least remove that objection from the table. And then I have a book, which is where I generally invite people to begin their video journey, a book called Win in the Age of Video. And that is really where I teach the strategy of using video. And, and that's very important because today many people are using video without any strategy. And what happens is uh, they are doing videos on TikTok, doing videos on LinkedIn, Facebook, with no real strategy in mind. And they find that their business is not getting the kind of traction that they want and they think it's because video doesn't work. So that is why I created a book to help people apply strategy to their use of video so they get the best return on investment of their time and energy with the format. And where can people find you if they want to take advantage of those services and that value? I have a, a website, uh, nofusvideo.com. And it took me many years to come up with that name, apart from the fact that all other domain names were taken. Uh, I, I, I really wanted to, to create a name to help people understand that there's, there's a simplified way of doing this and it doesn't have to be daunting, it doesn't have to be terrifying. So I have a website called nofusvideo.com where I have lots of resources. I have a lot of blogs that teach you simplified ways of lighting your space in your home because I assume that's where everybody's going to be doing their video content. We don't all have access to fancy television studios. So how to convert a, 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 a modest room in your home uh, into a little recording area to create your video content. I have uh, blog posts on the, the basic equipments that you need to get in order to, to set up at home, the best microphones that will work with your, your phone, that kind of thing, and lots of other um, blog posts that will help you to develop the, the right approach to speaking on camera. And I also have a lot of videos that address uh, similar topics. So there, there are lots of very useful resources on that website. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, I think this has been great because, like I said, video is so powerful. I think right now, especially because of the ability to create it so immediately, Video is our most powerful medium, more so than advertising, certainly more so than static posts, because you can just inject personality. You can inject um, a, a unique one-on-one -on -one way to create and deliver your message to people. It creates influence. And having these strategies to work with, I, I think, is going to be very, very helpful to people. And I thank you for the time today, Paolo. I know that many people who still have these uh, these nagging objections to getting into video because and, and this is particularly true of people in the blogosphere, people who've been blogging for many years and they don't want to move over to video. People have a tendency to believe that it's all or nothing, that you have to get in on video and abandon everything else. That's what video strategy is all about. I actually love writing, so I write blogs as well, but I create video content to complement the blogs and I use video as part of my wider ecosystem 
of content marketing. So you can use video as video ads, you can create video content for the different social media platforms, you can use webinars to promote your products, services and events. So video can be used in many different ways and you, if you use it as part of an ecosystem of content marketing, you don't have to be creating videos every single day, you don't have to become a slave to the algorithms or the social media platforms. You can use it as part of an overall strategy. I do not create videos every day. I'm too old for that. I create it when I feel as though it's going to be part, it's going to work and it's going to fit well with my strategy for a particular period and for a particular product. So content is going to become more saturated. And the only way to distinguish yourself from all of that content out there is by showing people who you are and making those connections. You, you do that by showing yourself and sharing yourself on camera. Well, that's a great place to end. I don't think I could um, add any more to that. My guest today has been Paolo Kernanen, and he is an on-camera video coach. So if you have the need for those services, you know you need to do video, but you just don't feel the confidence to get on camera then Paulo is a guy you want to reach out to. Again, thank you for your time today, Paulo. I really appreciate it. You have been watching or listening to the Escape the Cage podcast. I am your host, Chuck Ellis. We'll see you next time.